Welcome to Benefits, What Like It's Hard? The podcast that breaks down the truths and misconceptions about all things benefits. Not only do we talk about what you should know about the benefits offered to you through your employer, but we also tackle topics on physical and financial wellness. I mean, come on, what more could you want from a podcast? Join me, Libby Allison, each week to hear from people just like you sharing their own experiences and experts giving us the inside scoop on the information we need to be successful. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We have a very special episode with a very special guest. We're kind of continuing um, on some of our COVID-19 podcasts where we've talked about returning to work, how things had to shift originally, and then now, as we're in 2021, how are things starting to move towards normal, or so we hope. (laughs) Um, So we have... Tiffany Whitcomb with us from Cincinnati Ballet. Uh, She's going to talk to us about how they had to shift originally and some of the things that we can look forward to in 2021. So, hi, Tiffany. How are you? Hi, Libby. Great. Thanks for having me on the podcast today. I'm excited to share our story on how we've navigated the pandemic this last year. Um, Just a little bit about me. So I've been with the organization now for about three years. This will be my third season with the ballet and just a remarkable group of people that I have the privilege to work with. Um, You know, HR is typically benefits, payroll and, you know, your traditional things. But uh, I've had the privilege to work on, you know, workplace safety, growing the talent in our organization and and just helping elevate the ballet as as they move forward in, um, you know, their journey in Cincinnati. Nice. I am curious. Do you have a ballet background? I don't have a ballet background. Um, Interesting enough, my background is uh, twofold. I actually have a military background. Um, I have a little over 28 years in the United States Navy uh, in human capital management. So very different organization, um, but very transferable in terms of, you know, processes, procedures, and and just working with a bunch of dedicated uh, people. Um, so lots of transferable things, similar organizations, but, but also different. Yeah. Well, nice. I, I do want to tell you this is very close to my heart because I was a dancer growing up. I danced from a little girl all through high school. Um, and so the arts have been a huge part of my life. Um, and I think it's important to support the arts in your community. Um, the arts did so much for me as a person. I have so much more confidence because of what I was involved in. So um, just a little note that I love your organization. (laughs) Thanks. And I love that you say that because um, when I was looking to join an organization, um, frankly, dance is essentially language where words fail. And it's one of the art forms that's super inclusive um, and, and can touch everybody, literally everyone in some way. So Um, I appreciate you having the podcast this morning to um, keep the arts in front of everyone's thought process and support um, and would love to just walk through how, you know, the pandemic, you know, changed how we worked, but didn't stop us. Um, We've been fortunate to continue to work in this last year. Uh, A great amount of talented people made this possible and great collaborations with, um, you know, our union partners. Um, But yeah, it's important to keep the arts uh, front and center. 
Yeah. So let's talk about what happened. We're about a year exactly from when the pandemic hit, when things actually shut down. What did you guys originally do when everything shut down? Yeah. So um, nothing like being an organization or an HR leader uh, to navigate a pandemic without a playbook. So March happened, right? We all got uh, the call, essentially. Um, March was locked down. Businesses were shut down. Um, Governor DeWine put the at-home order in place in April. And so in all of that uh, nuance, um, we really had to start with figuring out what we were going to do with our people first. Um, so our culture is always people first. We'd look at, we took this a very methodical way and said, um, what does the, the pandemic uh, from a state and federal process look like in terms of what we can and cannot do in terms of how we actually function as a business and you know worked that back to say okay we've got we're going to segment this into how do we take care of our people what they need first are there processes and technology that we need to put in place to help support that and then once we've got clear guidelines from the CDC is there a way for us to continue a, a way forward with how we are engaging our our work right so our work is touchable yeah. work we dance and so um, in a pandemic where social distancing is a requirement at the time it was very tricky to figure out how we were going to do that um, but we were creative and how and how we were able to do that so what are some of the things that you guys did originally so our last performance, our last in-venue, full-capacity allotted, allotted performance was in February. That was Swan Lake in Music Hall. And at that point, uh, we didn't know if we were going to be able to perform again. And so the first thing we did was we made sure that we were able to pivot all of our staff um, and our dancers and our academy, because we have all three of those segments of employees to think about and patrons uh, and students to think about. So the first thing we did in the first two weeks was go digital. Um, we had our IT leaders uh, basically make sure that everybody could connect from home and, and work um, through Microsoft Teams. Um, in doing that, we then also started to lay the groundwork for our academy to start recording classes so that as families were trying to figure out whether kids were going back to school or not, there was still some sort of engagement in an after school um, curriculum that they could do. And it was important from our academy perspective to make sure that that was there for our students. And so that leadership team and the entire faculty pivoted almost within the first two weeks of actually starting to create digital content immediately. And similar to this podcast, some of it was really casual and you know, you know, just letting our um, academy students say, hey, no, we're gonna learn, learn together that this is scary for everyone, but we're in it together. And just laying in those first few weeks, I think just keeping uh, people connected was really important because there was a lot of unknown answers about how the pandemic right. was going to affect all of us. Um, from our staff perspective, we got everybody up within the first week um, digitally to work and continue to collaborate um, through Microsoft Teams. And then for our dancers, at that point, we had a natural stopping point for them after completing their February um, performance, we had a natural stop for them to take a, a hiatus. And so at that point, you know, they were in a holding pattern until, you know, we figured out what, whether or not we were going to be able to continue with the performance. Um, what happened then was we got the stay at home in place, the, like the shelter in place order, right, in, in April. And at that point, 
you know, we were thinking through, could we shift our performances to the summer? Uh, normally, we're usually done in the May timeframe with all of our performances. And at this time, that, that wasn't going to happen. We weren't going to be back in the venues anytime soon with the federal mandates, the state mandates. And so we got creative in figuring out if we could just shift our performances, our live performances to um, further in the season. Uh, we quickly worked with our union partners to make that happen because all of those things have to take into account for people's work contracts and schedules and they were wonderful partners in helping that happen. Um, during that time, um, it was important to have mental health and wellness checks with our actual employees. You know, we did fun things like coffee and dad jokes in the morning. We did, um, people got together to change recipes, but we also conducted business throughout the day. But instead of having you walk around a building, we were able to essentially navigate through teams, um, different conversations. Um, yeah, I love that. So once the stay at home order kind of was put in place, our intent was to come back at the end of the season. And, and what we figured very quickly was that wasn't going to happen. Governor DeWine kept coming back and, and pushing um, kind of our, our options or access to the venues. And so very quickly we had to basically, you know, push our end of our performance season and, and figure out how that was going to be reimagined in the new uh, performance year, which for us, our fiscal year is in August. Uh, but we still had some hope that, you know, the the, the order would have been lifted for our summer in, um, intensive and for our academy. So our academy usually has a year round academic program for um, aspiring, you know, ballet artists. And in the summer is one of our most important um, opportunities at, from a collegiate all the way down to our littles to do a summer intensive program. Uh, usually that's, um, you know, they're year round and, and that was one of the last things that we were hoping that we could do as an in-person uh, way of engaging our dance uh, to the community. Um, I remember distinctly that uh, we were, were waiting for Governor DeWine to open the, lift the uh, requirement for gyms and dance studios because that was our flag to say we we had green light to move forward on trying to figure out how we could make a summer intensive happen and yeah. through um, that happened in May and, and I'm happy to say that we were able to shift um, and make a summer intensive happen for you know a six-week program um, which I think helped lay the groundwork for us to continue to bring our dancers back to work ahead of uh, what I would say, some of our peers in the dance industry, where we were able to put our first toe in the water with the summer intensive with testing protocols and putting building facility management in place, uh, that really set the groundwork to prove that we could operate at a limited capacity in a, in a building with dancers um, that we started in September. That's awesome to hear that you were able to so quickly come back to classes yes. in person. Yes, so all through that lockdown period, our summer intensive, or our faculty before the summer intensive were teaching virtually, um, but when the order was lifted, uh, specific things that we did were we put in building protocols in terms of social distancing, hand sanitation, additional um, cleaning of the building. We had to go through air, you know, air circulation and change things for a hospital grade filtration in this in the studios to make sure that we were cleaning the air at the highest level. Um, 
mask protocols 100 percent um, we invested in temperature scans so that we could do touchless temperatures at the door uh, so that as we were preparing to be able to to open doors to students that we had everything in place for them uh, one to come into a building that was welcoming but two more importantly a, a building that was safe uh, according to the pro right. you know the protocols for cdc um, Again, those things started the, the, you know, the foundation work for bringing our dancers back uh, because we could prove we could operate with remote staff, which limited the number of people that needed to be in a building, which limited risk exposure. Right. Um, and we had successfully run a summer intensive without any risk exposure that occurred at the facility. Uh, we were able to then translate that to bringing the dancers back in September. And we were unique in how we did that. So similar to the MBA where you did the pods, we have 27 dancers and we created pods where they would be put into, you know, pod A and pod B where those dancers would act as a, a cohort essentially. Um, so in the event that a risk exposure happened, um, the entire company wouldn't be taken out, but uh, you know, we would have quarantining for a portion of our dancers. We also instituted 100% mask wearing. And when I mean 100% mask wearing, that means 100% mask wearing during classes uh, for our students, meaning you exercised with your mask on. And when our dancers returned, they rehearsed in their masks, which is a whole level, another level of, you know, being in shape that that took some time to condition the body to be able to do that. Uh, six feet worth, you know, six feet and social distancing was required. So our um, creative uh, ballet masters and our artistic team had to think collectively on how do we create pieces that are still interesting and engaging with not uh, violating a six, you know, six feet of social distancing requirement. And, and creative things like partnering people that cohabitated was one of the ways we, we solved for that. So if people were roommates or, you know, shared a, a living space, those people who would be normally in their own bubble, so to speak, could dance together. And so we looked creatively at partnering based on some of those things. Um, you know, it, it was, again, no playbook on how we did this, but through a lot of determination, a lot of open conversation, a lot of just thinking outside the box with our staff and our union uh, business partners, we were able to keep the dancers working. And in September, they were able to come back and we had our first in-person park performance uh, P&G Pavilion right there on the waterfront. Uh, that was incredible moment. We had just come off as an organization, a, a successful summer intensive with bringing students back into our, our buildings and letting them engage with dance and, you know, and fill their, their cups, so to speak, with an art form that brings a lot of satisfaction and expression and in a way to, you know, um, just immerse yourself in something than just the fact that you've been locked down and isolated from people. We were we were able to bring, I think, pockets of, of joy for folks uh, and for students. That first performance in September was amazing. Uh, and again, talented staff figured out how to make this happen with social distancing. So we did big circles, six foot circles that we spray painted in the grass. Uh, we had people temperature checking, uh, patrons before they came in to see the performance, and you could have a pot of people that sat in your circle on the grass. The weather was gorgeous, and we were able to bring, you know, the 
a beautiful performance uh, in a in a, the end of a summer time frame of coming out of like this darkness of COVID, and it was really wonderful to see that we were able to do a live performance outdoors because of the social um, pro protocols we were doing. And interesting enough, I feel like in that sense we were able to make our 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 dance our art form more accessible. We had families, you saw kids running around in the grass, uh, you know, people brought their lawn chairs out. It was very casual and it was comfortable and it was a celebration of just coming back and enjoying the arts on a beautiful day. And it was free to the public because it was our gift to say, you know, we're, we're in this together as a community on this COVID. You know, at that point in September, as a city, we had, you know, gone through lockdown for our, um, most of our arts, uh, our restaurants and, were hit pretty hard. And it was just a way for us to have a little sliver of, you know, sunshine during um, what we could do in terms of contributing to the art form and to the community. I am honestly amazed by everything that we're talking about. <laughs> I think that um, for someone like me, my job is at a computer every day. So shifting the work that I did when the pandemic hit was not that hard, to be honest. Besides the fact that I hate working from home, <laughs> it really was not, it really was not that hard. But when I hear stories of organizations that had to seriously make a shift in the way that they do things and the way that everyone came together and came up with creative solutions um, with what I can imagine were probably very positive attitudes. Uh, it, it's just amazing. It's amazing to hear the resiliency that people have is amazing, especially when you are working together as a group. Yeah. Um, so kudos to kudos to you and your team and everyone at Cincinnati Ballet for coming together and bringing something good during a pandemic. I. I really have to give, you know, and I, I'm going to say this lovingly. So I'm usually the principal. The, the HR is always the principal's office, so to speak. But, you know, my role yeah. is to give the guidelines to say, here are our limits that we can do. And it, really, the onus is on the team, the creative team of saying, okay, if this is what we have to work with, what what are things we can do to get to a yes? And that's the attitude that the entire Cincinnati Ballet team has had um, from our production team, our wardrobe. I mean, wardrobe had to think through masking, um, right? We're doing an art form with masks. Uh, our academy had to pivot, you know, we had our development team had to work in making sure that our patrons who had tickets felt great and, you know, were able to engage with us on the, you know, our first opportunity back in, in September. Right. Just everyone, um, including the front desk, like our unsung heroes that do the day-to-day -day things for our essential workers in terms of making sure mail is opened and making sure that our payroll checks get done, our finance team, you know, the entire team uh, really came together to say, we're going to figure out how to say yes as an organization to get the academy back and to bring our dancers back on stage. And, you know, people had to shift their um, their scope of work in some cases. So, I mean, I, mm -hmm. I was out there taking temperatures. You know, we had people, you know, there was no uh, no's in the group. If somebody was asked to help all hands on deck, it was, yeah, we're going to figure out how to make this happen. And so, um I may have provided some guidelines, you know, our CEO did a great vision figuring out how to get us to a yes, and really the people of Cincinnati Ballet are the ones that made it happen. 
it's really, really awesome to hear. So let's talk about what's happening in 2021. Are you going to be getting back to more normal performances or are you planning for some of the same outdoor performances that we talked about? What is your guys' plan for this year? Well, Libby, I sure hope we are back to normal. <laughs> Um, we're like with everybody, we're, we're taking, uh, you know, we're super excited that uh, the COVID vaccine is more available. We, we believe that that process is going to go through very quickly through the summer. Um, Governor DeWine just announced that they opened age groups um, this Friday, in fact, for 40 and over and then for 16 years old um, on the 29th. So we're hoping as that happens and more herd immunity and vaccines that will also open up some capacity limits within the venues. That's what we're hoping. But in the short term, um, we're not done performing this year and we've got some exciting things that are coming up. Um, we just finished our digital uh, Kaplan uh, series, February and um, March, and that was streamed for two weekends. Coming up in May, we are doing another outdoor performance. Uh, we're excited to bring our ballet in the park over at Season Good Pavilion up by the Fine Arts Museum and that um, campus. And that again will be outdoors. People will be able to sit in, um, you know, bubbles again. Uh, so that will be our next live performance, but an outdoor venue. And then we've got our first limited capacity venue um, performance in June. And that's going to be at the Aronoff Center. It's our Bold Moves Plus. So as we finish out the, the year for those uh, two items, our performances, we will then move into summer intensive in our new building. But our performances for next year, you know, we've got a, a draft of what we want to have happen. And I know that that's gonna come out in a press release in terms of what we're, we're doing for capacity limits. We're just looking for guidance on, you know, what we can actually do in the venues. Um, it would sure be great to have, you know, everybody back uh, without masks. I don't know if that'll be a, a reality or not, but um, right. I will say even in this last year of doing things digitally, again, our first time collaborating um, with uh, Channel 5 on uh, actually live broadcasting or televised broadcasting of our Nutcracker. For the first time, we reached 130,000 people over outside of the U.S. as well. When in a normal year, we would only be able to touch, you know, at a full sold out venue, 28,000 people. So we may be looking at some more digital content this next year as well, because we know that we've had to learn uh, to use that in this last year. But we also believe that there's some opportunities in, in making mm -hmm. our art form accessible. So I would expect to see maybe some of those things on the docket as well. That's awesome. I, I think a lot of people are going to, this is going to change their business a little bit going forward, even as we get back to normal, where we've learned things, uh, we've embraced technology, and it's it's very interesting. And I, I do think it's going to open doors for a lot of people to be able to be involved in things that they maybe couldn't before, um, or and just make things you know more accessible. Like you said, I think that's awesome. So. I can't like leave this conversation without talking about what we all can do to help support the arts community and Cincinnati Ballet right now. That's that's easy. Um, so it, it's support the Arts Wave campaign uh, for those that are working, you know, in um, Cincinnati. 
uh, Arts Wave is an organization that supports all of the arts. So although the ballet has been able to figure out a way to continue to work um, and, and work, that hasn't been the case with all of our sister companies um, in, in Cincinnati. And so Arts Wave is a great organization right now. They've got a, an $11 million goal out there uh, to try and um, raise money to support all of the arts. And we definitely are a benefactor of that as well. Uh, continue to engage online, you know, like us on social media, uh, give us comments about content that's digital that people love, uh, it, that helps us understand, you know, what we should be doing more of. Um, and just, you know, if you get a chance, if people haven't had a ticket already, you know, buy a ticket to the ballet this next year and, and come and check us out for the first time if you're, if you're new. Uh, we think that all of the arts are important. I'm biased that ballet is amazing because, again, as I mentioned <laughs> earlier, I think it is uh, a language where words fail. And no one, in in my opinion, what I've, I heard someone say once, no one ever leaves the ballet in a in a bad mood. You know, it's not like going to a tailgating, you know, sporting event where there's a winner and a loser. You know, everybody wins from the ballet because you you've all been touched in a way. So that's what I would encourage listeners to do is just check us out, uh, continue to support ArtsWave and like us on social media. Great. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate it. Um, I love talking about this. Like I said, this is close to my heart, um, but also, you know, everyone needs to come together right now and support the arts so that um, we can continue to enjoy things that the Cincinnati Ballet is doing and any other arts organization around the Cincinnati community. So again, thank you for being here. Thanks, Libby. Appreciate your time. See you next time. Nothing we say in this podcast is representative of any specific plan and should not be construed as legal, regulatory, or accounting advice. If there is any discrepancy between what we say and your plan document, your plan document will always